0: Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your moderator, JP, and I am here to report that I have been bamboozled. I've been, I've been tricked. Uh, uh, there, there's uh, mutiny in the ranks, there's sabotage. Uh, I, uh, I thought I was going to be here with my friends, uh, Father Chuck and Matt Wells, but instead I'm here with their wives. I'm here with Father Chuck's wife. Kana browning how are you surprise
1: (laughs) doing well thanks i'm glad to be here i left my husband with the kids
0: oh gosh that's great (laughs) (laughs) it explains why earlier i was on facebook before i came on here and i saw him with your children i was like why he's all the way down in boca we're gonna go live in like 10 minutes (laughs) what's what's happening
2: (laughs) I should have known. You know.
0: I should have known. I'm also here with Matt's wife, Heather Wells. Heather, hello. Hello. How are you? I'm okay. You do okay. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> this is. Uh, I take it this is both of your first times on a podcast, correct?
2: Yes, that's correct.
0: You never recorded anything in your life, nothing at all,
1: unless you count my talk boy when I was ten. <laughs> That thing was we, awesome. We
0: count that on here. We okay. count that.
1: What's a talk boy? <laughs> <You haven't laughs> seen Home Alone, you know, yes. he has that like Home Alone. Home Alone. He has that little tape recorder thing with a microphone uh, sticking out. Home and Alone
0: Two. Should clarify. Home
1: Alone Two. Oh, one yeah, of those. Didn't years. see that one quite oh. as many times. Okay, and he like <laughs> changes his voice and makes it faster and slower and. That's fine. Listens to himself talk.
0: Yeah. Did, did, did you have one of those, Kana? Did you?
1: Oh yes, and I would did? not get the talk girl version. It was all pink. I made. I wanted the legitimate one from the movie, so I had a talk
0: it's boy. For you. Movie quality. <laughs> I got. I had one too, and I listened to uh, the Jurassic Park audiobook on it all the time.
1: Nice. It was of course you did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So if you've been listening along, um, you'll know that this month, September. We've all been choosing a topic individually, and we've been uh, covering that topic uh, without question. So our first week we did religion. Last week we did failure. This week Matt has chosen anxiety. They have also chosen to replace themselves with their wives.
2: <laughs> <laughs> to not talk not about knowledge. it.
0: <laughs> so it's going to be interesting, very interesting. So, guys, anxiety. Usually I, 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 I like to start with Chuck. Because he, I love the way he articulates things. So, Kana, I am going to start with you. Kana, do you have any experience with anxiety?
1: That's a pretty broad question.
0: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> That's why I always start with Chuck. Go as broad as you want him.
1: Yes, I mean, I suppose any person above, you know, any adult would probably be lying if they said that they hadn't experienced anxiety in some form. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think leading up to major events in your life, there's always some level of anxiety there, apprehension or just not knowing what to expect. I guess in my recent life I had, you know, anxiety around childbirth. That's a that's a big step right. for a lot of people. But I think in general I'm not a super anxious person. I, no. I tend to have the outlook that you know, there's a lot of people in the world who have experienced the same kinds of things that I have and been through problems that are much, much worse than anything I've ever faced. So why should I worry? And I don't know.
0: Okay. Is that, is that something that kind of, that you think kind of helps with you if you ever experience anxiety?
1: Yeah. To try to put it in perspective that my life is generally very good and I'm blessed and have most of the things that people in the world worry about food and a roof over my head and you know my family around me and I if there's ever things that I'm starting to feel anxious about just try to put it in perspective of how lucky I really am
0: mm-hmm. but well that's good that's that's a good thing that's uh for me I know personally whenever I actually have a lot of experience with anxiety I don't know that it's clinical I don't think that it is I know I do know something as I've struggle with a lot, but I do know that something that's always helped me, even since when I was younger, is just distracting myself. Um, sometimes it's like the weather, you know? You just got to, like, hunker down and wait for it to pass. And usually in those moments, it's usually distracting myself with a movie or, I don't know, watching videos of cats on YouTube. <laughs> that, that helps. It's very therapeutic. What about you, Heather? Do you ever have any uh, experience with anxiety? Is there any way that you particularly like to deal with it? Yeah
2: never <laughs>
0: never you never experienced anxiety wow this is this is actually amazing because left. i don't think i've ever met anybody who's never had anxiety no, and i can't even imagine a life without anxiety
2: pulling your leg jp of course yes i have <laughs> okay <laughs> and unlike kana yeah. i don't think i've dealt with it quite as graciously <laughs> um, although i agree 100% with her viewpoint and putting it in perspective but oh yes i've had my fair share of anxiety and panic attacks. And, yeah, um, There's a few ways I've dealt with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I've prayed. I've called my mother and my husband and yeah. my, um, let's see, who else have I called? <laughs> <laughs> um, usually, obviously, helping people to help you put things in perspective and talk you through it. My mom used to tell me to sit down and grab a ice-cold glass of water and sip it yeah. <laughs> during my panic attacks, <laughs> which actually does help. And there was some times after childbirth, especially mm-hmm. after having Bella, where I had to go back to work right away because I had taken so much time off during my pregnancy because right. I was so sick that when I um, had her, I had to go back to work really quickly, four and a half weeks later. And um, I was having panic attacks and guilty feelings, like mom guilt, not being home with your newborn, and work was really stressful. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of demands on me there, and I had a lot of problems with my boss at the time, so that didn't help the stress right. at all. But I had you, like you, a little bit of postpartum stuff going on, and
0: yeah, it's awful. Uh, but if I understand, you did take steps to sort of like uh, take the stress out of your life to reduce Absolutely. stress.
2: Absolutely, big steps. Yeah, we had I had to quit my job, which means we needed to figure out how to have less expenses and a cheaper house and not Mm -hmm. just, you know, get rid of a car or do. And (laughs) we didn't end up having to walk anywhere, at least. But, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) no, we definitely made steps. And that was one thing that Matt was right there by my side the whole time saying, you know, whatever you need, that's what we need to do. And so I said, I I think I need to quit my job. I think I need to be home. And he said, then we're going to do what we have to do to make that happen. So Mm. thankfully, a very supportive husband.
0: Uh, I'm sure you do. (laughs) He's a very supportive friend. Um, So I have an interesting story. Um, Back in my my dark days of selling Timeshare, um, Mm. I actually had a couple who actually bought Timeshare from me, (laughs) believe it or not. All right. Um, They were two psychologists, but they were also... um, Teachers and I asked them, like, do you think that there's been either an increase in anxiety and depression in our society, or do you think that, like, with the advancement of medicine, the list has been peeled back? We just notice it more. And they said, definitely an increase in anxiety and depression. So, do you think that maybe there are factors that exist within our society that maybe increase anxiety for our society? Like, do you or do they have any impact on you? Have you seen an impact on others?
1: I think in general, yes, I mean, just from being around, I mean, I live in Boca, and being around some of the mom people that I hang around with, I mean, some of the culture in that area is like, if you don't have your two-year-old in some sort of Montessori-Waldorf preschool, it's like they're never going to get ahead and they're never going to go to Harvard if you don't start before they were born.
0: (laughs) Right. <laughs> kind of
1: thing. and it's like oh your child isn't in this intensive program starting from the age of two months then you know, your child is going to be a failure um, and not that anyone ever comes out and says that but there's this sort of underlying culture of oh what are you doing for your kid and what are you doing and so I know at least in the parenting world which I recognize doesn't affect everyone but mm-hmm. at least in the world of, of those with children there's a lot of sort of innate competition of, you know, college is so much harder to get into and so much more expensive. And that trickles down to how you're doing in high school. And it goes back and back and back to testing and mm. and um, extracurriculars of how you have to be doing all this stuff for years and years and years to go on your college application. But I read a book before Charlie was born, and it was actually the only parenting book I ever read. It's called Simplicity Parenting. It's by a man named Kim John Payne. Um, And he talks about how when you over schedule your child and put all this pressure on your child, you are actually robbing them of their childhood. And so the whole book is taking you through various aspects of your child's life and simplifying it. So one part is physical objects, so like fewer toys, fewer items in their room, just fewer things in your home in general, like not as much on the walls not as much stuff in their life to keep track of, like, oh, they can clean up their room in 10 minutes, even if all of their stuff has been dumped on the floor kind of concept. And there's another section of the book that's about scheduling fewer extracurricular activities, downtime for kids to just play, um, imagine, have just sort of time to reflect and think and be creative and make up games with toilet paper tubes and sticks um, and uh, I forget all the other parts of the book but it, it's basically saying you know don't expose your kid too much to the news don't worry them about money don't don't involve them in so many adult type situations just let them have a simple easy childhood and that that actually leads to happier and more successful people um, that's
0: really interesting What's the name of this book again?
1: It's called Simplicity Parenting. Okay, and it's I by Kim John Payne.
0: Kim John Payne. It's it's I interesting was, hearing that because I, I, I
1: it.
0: yeah because I I recommend it to like my childhood growing up.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely
0: did not take ten minutes to clean up my mess. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely did not have a, a a small amount of toys. I definitely had an army of of action figures. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, <laughs> that's why I have anxiety. All my drastic broadcast speakers gave me anxiety. That's what happened.
1: I think it's a response to some of the consumerism in the 80s and 90s that our generation was yeah. kind of you know our our parents came from somewhere where they thought that was how they could give us everything is by right. literally giving us everything and now Just, we're sort of swinging the pendulum back, I suppose in our in our culture. but it it's I think a good way to say you know, your kid doesn't have to be in. The marching band, and in karate, and in soccer, and you know every possible activity. But but for the most part, I think people are still doing that, and it is making kids anxious, and then they grow up to be anxious adults if they don't understand how to sort of not be overstimulated.
0: Right, right. Uh, uh, Heather, a little tangent, but I just I just realized you're wearing uh, Elsa. Headphones. Also from Frozen.
2: <laughs> Matt said we needed headphones tonight. I'm like, can I wear Frozen ones? Uh, he said, my daughter has them. He said, yeah. I said, well, they're a little sticky. <laughs> like stuff on the sides of them.
0: Our children are growing up in a society um, that is going through a huge transition in terms of technology and communication being open and, and media being available. And, and, and our phones and our laptops, our TVs, everywhere.
2: The, it just constantly buzzing with it some kind of notification or email or something before like even when I was in college I checked my email when I was at school you know yeah. or when I was doing homework it wasn't a constant all day someone trying to get a hold of me or me having to put my attention somewhere um, right. so definitely and and then things with and maybe it depends slightly on where you live it's probably widespread but like we live in a county where there's a lot of keeping up with the joneses and you know keeping up with your house and keeping up with your cars and keeping up with your
0: like yeah you do both live in the suburbs and yes
2: but it's she's talking about the anxiety leading up to pregnancy and and um the book that she read and the pretty much I think the only book I read in probably six years was Jenny McCarthy's Belly Laughs, <laughs> when I found out really? I was pregnant <laughs> with Bella. <It's> amazing. <laughs> I, read that one. I read it in one sitting on the couch while Matt was watching the last episode of Lost.
0: Which, well, it was written by Jenny McCarthy. I, I imagine it's an easy read.
2: It was hysterical. <laughs> I was laughing out loud. Um, she was talking about her anxiety leading up to childbirth yeah. and the book had me rolling.
0: So, well, just shift gears a little bit to kind of get into the divinity part of a Master's Divinity podcast, I heard an interesting statement today. Anxiety is the polar opposite of faith. Hmm. What would you guys have to say to that?
2: That comment makes a lot of sense in my mind. It does? Yeah. The Lord tells us in the Bible to be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, make your requests be known unto God. And I think that the more we practice our faith in bringing our concerns and our questions and our prayer requests to the Lord and prayer and supplication, I think that we worry less when we're doing that more faithfully. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think that people who have faith are immune from anxiety.
1: Yeah, it sounds like that. Comparison is maybe slightly off because saying it's the polar opposite makes it sound like if you ever feel anxiety, that you're lacking in faith. I would almost think that faith is the antidote to anxiety, is maybe a better way to say it. Is that like when you start to feel anxiety creeping up upon you, like the only way to really make it go away is to have faith in something. And for us as Christians, that means faith in God faith in Jesus Christ not you know I suppose you could make it go away in some aspects with you know faith in yourself or faith in the universe that things would be okay
0: or um, just faith in general that it's going to pass mm-hmm. interesting I like that I like that I like that. Uh, faith is the antidote to anxiety that's good mm-hmm. uh, Matt and I talk a lot about Good faith, bad faith, not necessarily uh, faith, not always faith like in God, but sometimes faith in yourself, faith in your friends, faith in your family, faith in your surroundings, things like that.
2: I do think, though, the one thing that will never let you down is the Lord, because I think we can put our faith in a lot of things that maybe in the time being might help our anxiety, but sometimes those things can fail us, which can cause the anxiety to become much worse. Right. So. Of course. Mm -hmm. And that, okay. I do think we have to be careful about what we're putting our faith in to get us through those anxious mm-hmm. times. And I think sometimes you
1: have to get past the fear that comes with being anxious and start to recognize that anxiety and worry have little to no effect on the thing or person that you're worried about. And they have a huge negative impact on the person who's doing the worrying. Mm -hmm. So like I I used to get upset when I was a little kid and my mom would, oh I'm so worried about you doing X, Y, or Z. It's like why? You sitting at home worrying about me has no impact on what's happening to me 10 miles away when I'm on this field trip. Like if you're sitting here worried or if you're sitting here thinking about something else, it has zero impact on what's occurring with me right now. But it makes you upset and anxious and makes you in a worse mood when you see me later. So it, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, I guess, a a childish example, but just it, it helps sometimes, I think, for if you're getting lost in your anxiety and sort of rolling over and over in it to think about you're really the major person that it's impacting, that you're getting all the negative effects, but it's not helping somebody else for you to worry and be anxious.
0: Yeah, and that—that's the kind of scary thing about anxiety to me. That I realize that it's—I know that when I experience it, it's kind of like like kind of it, falling into like a deep hole. And then when you when you kind of come out of it once it passes or whatever, it's the next day or you move on to something else. It's like, why in the world was I even there? Like mm-hmm. all that stuff that I, that was going through my mind, all that that place where I was doesn't even exist.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's like an it's like an illusion. Yeah. So it's. It's, it's, it's a, it's a scary realization to me as someone that kind of experiences every now and then.
2: Yeah. I hear you JP on that one, because I remember when I was in the middle of my panic attacks and the anxiety feeling like I couldn't, couldn't see my way out of it. Even praying and even trusting in the Lord that he had my situation in his hands and under control and that eventually it all would work out. I remember that feeling and it wasn't going away and I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And no matter how much I tried to talk myself out of it, it was like that, you know, that chest tightening feeling like you can't breathe type of reaction that your body has to these, these thoughts. And when you do come out of it, it's like, why, why couldn't I tell myself to just snap out of it? Why could not I just make it go away? It was like real physical signs and symptoms of what was happening. It's, It's really hard to overcome. Yeah, the yeah. disconnect
1: between what your brain is telling you is logical, as compared to mm-hmm. your emotional response to your situation. Yeah. Like sometimes your emotions are very different than what would be a, considered a logical response, but yeah. you you and you know it. I was telling you, there's myself there's no to reason stop for this. me to feel yes. this way, mm-hmm. but I still do. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you guys play Pokemon Go or? Um, <laughs>
2: Yes. <laughs> no i don't
0: that
2: I, seems like it causes people a lot of anxiety i you really rather, need to get this creature i mean pokemon <laughs> man thing i, <laughs> I said know. pokemon once and matt was like it's pokemon uh, <laughs> no I, I have is that plural? Yes. No, I don't have
1: any games on my phone.
2: <laughs> None? No, zero games on my phone. No kids apps? No. No. Candy Crush? No, I've never played candy, like candy Crush. Candy. Whoa, there's no apps on your phone. Yes. <laughs> she has half of a front screen. I kid you not. Well, oh, no, I have a I have See, a, this is why she, she, she Oh, she has one folder. A folder called Stuff
1: I Don't Use Much. <laughs> And it has like Pandora in it and like Chick-fil-A, Disney, Ikea. There's a there's a piano app though my son can like play piano, but that's like not really a game.
2: No, I don't have games on that. That's
0: that's why I have so little anxiety, kid. I I feel like you're you're
2: exactly right.
0: You are you're like a minimalist, right? Am I right in saying that?
2: Um,
1: I would say I aspire to be a minimalist. I have not yet arrived. Oh. I'm
0: fascinated by that. Could
2: you live in one of those little houses? Those Is that what they houses? call it? The
0: tiny houses? Tiny, houses. tiny houses.
1: I would say without kids, I could.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't
1: think I would want to live somewhere where there was no door to my bedroom in their bedroom because <laughs> okay. you know trying to get a kid to sleep. Yeah, you know, but but with just like Charles and I, I could totally live in a tiny house. Yeah, I've gotten. I used to have. Anyone out there who is a crafter or a hobbyist will understand. I used to have a big closet full of fabric and yarn for all my knitting and sewing and crochet and blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. And now I'm to the point where I have a small little box of tools and a couple little things of yarn. It fits in one file box that's maybe like two feet by one foot by one foot or something. And um, and I just go buy the yarn for that project and then I do it and then I get rid of the excess and then I go buy the yarn for the next project. And I can still have just as much fun, but I don't have to store it all. So yeah, I'm kind of getting wow. to that place, but I'm not. I'm not there yet. I will. I mean, if you saw if you saw my house, you would be like, "What you said minimalist," but um, <laughs> it's after you know, carload of carload You're of stuff to Goodwill. Yes. Yeah. So we're but we're working on it, and I, I would think that would be kind of cool to live in one of those tiny houses.
2: I think yeah. so too. Every time I go through my house, I think of people who live like that and I mm-hmm. just keep putting stuff in a box and keep yeah. putting stuff in a box. But yet yeah, every six months I do that and I was just telling her before the podcast started it it is
0: all here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's still so much here.
0: Yeah. That's fascinating. I, I feel like that that's actually a, i think a really great way to sort of um maybe not get rid of anxiety, but it's kind of a good way to sort of letting it avoid avoid you. You know, yes. is to kind of cut out whatever access, excess stuff in your life that demands all your attention.
2: Mm-hmm. Like you know? picking up toys at night. Yeah. Almost every <laughs> night I want to put all the toys in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We've,
1: we have few enough toys that we make. Like, the kids have to pick up everything before they go to bed. So there's no toys out by the time we have bedtime. And usually that takes about five minutes to clean up all their toys. Like So we've I think we've done a decent job of, of keeping the toys down. But I got lucky that I sort of found this minimalism thing before Charlie was born. So I didn't have any time to accumulate a ton of stuff first, which I otherwise would have done. But I think that – so anxiety is kind of tied up in physical objects sometimes in that – just-in-case mentality because, oh, well, I need to save this just in case I might need it. I mean, Mm -hmm. oh, look, we have 16 water bottles, but maybe I should keep that because what if my friend comes over and they want to go hiking and they need a water bottle? And like, like (laughs) your mind just comes up with random stuff and you're like, so what is the likelihood of that happening? And even if it did happen, could I use something else instead or Mm -hmm. could I replace this object I think is it like Joshua oh. Becker or somewhere the Minimalists or somebody has a saying of like, yes. can I replace this object for less than twenty dollars in less than, than twenty minutes? minutes. And yeah. if the answer is yes, <laughs> wow. if the answer is yes, then get rid of it. So it's like, oh, I have you know twelve oven mitts or something. Like, do I need these? No, I only need one. If I ever had a situation, where well, you have two hands, war, you probably two, need okay, two, one set <laughs> <cent, laughs> of oven mitts. If you if you ever burned your oven mitt or lost it or the dog ate it. It would take you less than twenty minutes to drive to Target and buy one for a couple of bucks. So there's no need to have a backup. And getting rid of the backup actually frees your mind of that anxiety. It's the same anxiety that like is in like on the show Hoarders, where it's like they, these people are terrified of being in a situation oh, yeah. where they might not have the thing that they need. And the reality is, they have it ten minutes down the road at the store.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. that, that show stresses me out Oh
1: yes <laughs> It stresses me out
0: so much and, and be, Because there, there's such a formula to it as well mm-hmm. It starts off really hopeful and cheerful Because they're really excited to get rid of things sometimes They go through that mm-hmm. phase, right? Where they're like, yeah, let's just get rid of it This is great, we're going through a whole new phase in our lives mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, but we got to throw out the deer's head That belonged to your uncle That gave it to you before he died I'm Like, I'm like, no, what are you doing to my life? <laughs> yeah. I, can't do, I can't take that emotion But like,
2: it's, it's another so. physical form of anxiety mm-hmm. yeah. You know? OCDs form,
0: hoardings form. Yeah, your husbands are like huge talkers, <laughs> so I, I'm not usually the one that has to like be on be on my toes. <laughs>
1: Driving the conversation.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm the moderator, so I, I do have to drive a little. But sometimes I could, I just like sneak the wheel over to them, like you know. Um, <laughs> Um, I tried
2: to tell Matt that I didn't think I'd be very good at this because I don't feel like I have no. a whole lot to say.
0: But you're, he's like, you doing... have plenty
2: to say when JP's over and we're just talking.
0: <laughs> no, you're doing wonderful. You guys are doing wonderful.
2: You're not doing so wonderful, <laughs> JP.
0: No, I'm I'm, I'm, just I'm having anxiety I'm just right kidding. now. Uh, I have fallen in a deep hole. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, I can't claw my way out. I'm just going to go and play Pokemon until no, this no, passes. Pray,
2: pray, pray, and then play Pokemon.
0: I <laughs> do <my> meditations <laughs> you know our our society, especially in american culture we, we kind of turn a blind eye to mental health and um and i'm I'm talking about me personally like i like I said, I don't know that the anxiety experience is is clinical or not. I just know that I experience it, and what's interesting about it is I actually didn't really know about clinical anxiety or didn't really. And it wasn't really a thing to me until, like, actually, maybe a few years ago, like maybe five years ago. And then when when people were telling me what they were experiencing, it's like, I, I was like, I experienced it all the time growing up. Like that—that's like, like that's an actual thing. If you let something like that happen to you, if you don't treat it, it becomes a disability, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you break your arm and you don't put it in a cast, you're probably going to lose your arm one day, or it's just going to stop working. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's kind of weird because me person I kind of felt like I learned how to how to how to handle it on my own growing up, you know, without having to seek therapy or without any kind of medication or without any kind of tips. Um, but I didn't know what it was, but I kind of feel like it sort of had like a lasting effect as well. But at the same time, like I do kind of feel like I know how to deal with it, even especially since I've I know what it is now.
2: Do you feel like if you had had someone to talk through with that when you were younger do you think that maybe you wouldn't deal with it as much now um instead of trying to have figured out like by yourself how to get yourself out of it
0: probably i think it would have helped a lot um but at the same time you know you guys know you know what i'm passionate about i'm passionate about Mm -hmm. filmmaking when i was growing up i was really into acting and performing getting up on stage Mm -hmm. It was really was the polar opposite of like what I was feeling inside. Like I, I wanted to get on stage and be on the spotlight and perform. But deep down, I was like, run away, run away now. <laughs> Hide.
2: Most so people are. <laughs> <laughs> Most people are. In fact, today before the yeah. podcast, I might have had a small panic attack when Matt said we're talking about anxiety. Really? My heart started racing at work. Oh. I kid you not. And I'm like. Oh my goodness.
0: <laughs> and how are you feeling now? Are you I'm feeling okay, okay now? Okay, I'm feeling okay now. Good, good. You got Only your Elsa headphones?
2: later. I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> oh, hey, why don't you uh, slide some of those over here? Okay. Uh,
2: just some pumpkin <laughs> coffee.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah, caffeine will really help.
2: It's decaf. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. <There> you go. <laughs> but what I think was interesting is that I kind of feel like my passion and my hobbies helped me mm-hmm. uh, because of the nature of those hobbies and passions, acting. Mm-hmm. But which is it's also kind of saying, you know, I, I, like I said, I like uh, I, you guys know I sold timeshare for a, a very small amount of time. And um, that did not help my anxiety at all. No. Could you give any advice to maybe young people growing up now in a world where um, their attention is being fought for? constantly at all sides is there any any kind of advice or any kind of tips or any anything any kind of wisdom that you can bestow upon them who may be listening today who might be in high school or college
2: lots of advice <laughs>
0: <laughs> looking
2: back seven. what would i have told myself
0: oh uh, um, well that's that's a good that's a good question what would you have told yourself
2: yeah looking i mean maybe not just in regards to anxiety but looking back i would have told myself to focus less on trying to find love and relationships and to focus more on the Lord and my family and my girlfriends instead of mm-hmm. boyfriends, you know.
0: Right, because young boys Stay. suck anyway. <laughs> like, they're, they're, they're terrible. Why? They why really are <laughs> they? Really are. I'm not even being sarcastic right now. They're, no, no, don't. Yeah, not, focus not on it.
2: your girlfriends. Focus on your family. Focus on stick with the sisters. Yes, um, <laughs> staying faithful in church and serving. I think that really keeps your focus where it should be. And um, doing doing the best, like focusing on what's in front of you. Like if you want to pursue a career in, I I know a few people in nursing right now. If you want to pursue a career in nursing, like focus on that. Put your all into that and and try not to worry about all the other things that are going to try and demand your attention while you're going through that. Like being a minimalist in Mm -hmm. life, (laughs) not just Mm -hmm. in your house accumulations. Um, I think that would have helped me in the past but you know what my mom told me all those things and yeah. you know I still made decisions yeah, i was going to make it's <laughs> hard
1: to have perspective at that age
2: mm-hmm.
1: on you know the the broader picture i mean when i was 18 i had no concept of what it meant to be married and be a mother mm-hmm. and think right. your, your world just bills bro- yeah well yeah have bills <laughs> have a job I mean, i had a career before i had kids so um that concept of just being responsible for everything—you don't really get that until you do it. Um, but, but like you said, your mom kind of—you know—my your my parents told me that kind of stuff too. Of like, you know, for me it was less anxiety at that age and more self-induced stress. I, mm-hmm. I would have probably had labeled it as stress that I, I sort of put myself in a situation of having a little bit of a stressful. It was right. high school, maybe not so much college, but high school time. Um, my parents were kind of like, you know, you you need to hang out with your friends more and relax. And I was like, I have to get straight A's constantly. <laughs> oh please!
2: <laughs> <laughs> Our quote was C equals farm D. <laughs> All you have to do is pass. Nobody's going to ask you what your grades were. <laughs> C
0: equals what?
2: C equals farm D. Like pharmacy degree. Pharma- your phar- pharmacy
0: your doctorate. doctorate. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh. Doctor of Pharmacy. That's it, that was pharmacy. Like that was the quote. Especially, I think <laughs> just passed. I get think through the,
1: it. the seminarians Ow. would have said C equals collar. Uh, <laughs> collar yeah, I I didn't I didn't turn into I didn't have that attitude until after I got my job offer. So I had four years of undergrad and then one year of grad school. So I got my job offer. After I finished my undergrad and I had to still go back for the year of grad school, it was sort of oh, like, Lord. as long as you get your master's, you get this job. So then I kind of was like, oh, I, I only can need this. to pass, you know, because <laughs> I have the job offer in hand. But, yeah. but you know... In high school, I was, you know, you're talking about relationships and boys and, like, worrying about, like, oh, my gosh, like, there's so many variables. How, of all the people in the world, am I going to find the one person I'm supposed to be with? And then when is going to be the right time to get married and the right time to have kids? And how am I, gonna, how am I ever going to find this? How is this all going to happen? But sort See, of trusting. Oh, go ahead.
0: That, that was easy for me because if I liked you, you were the one
1: no that's that's true that's i think a little more of a an evangelical sort of background uh-huh, too uh-huh. of like god must have put this like uh, or this crush in your head so that exactly. person must be the one you're marrying um i grew up methodist so i didn't quite have as much of that influence oh, don't um, brag. but <laughs> but but there's still the idea that um you know it, it seems overwhelming. You know, there's a huge world out there and so many ways, and every time you make a decision, you're excluding other possible futures and other possible decisions. And that can be intimidating and paralyzing. I mean, I chose to study abroad in Beijing. Once I made that decision, I was excluding myself from studying abroad in London with some of my other friends, or in Vienna with some friends, or you only get to pick one course of action. I only got to pick one university that I went to and excluded the one that was second in the running for me and that changed who my friends were for the rest of my life. So that kind of stuff can be scary, but I think when you pray about it, you can get to a point where you find peace Mm -hmm. about major life decisions. Mm -hmm. I remember I was down to two colleges, Wake Forest and Rice, and I was back and forth, and Rice was actually cheaper. Um, and I was contemplating going there because it was cheaper and blah, 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 pros and cons, making lists, talking about all the stuff. And finally I got so sick of it and I thought, you know, I'm just going to relax. I'm going to go think about something else. I actually went and did my calculus homework. And <laughs> okay, <right>. um, <laughs> sitting The most my responsible bed, person i right? ever been on this pod. Um, <laughs> but I decided, you know, it's going to work out. I'm just going to stop worrying about it the thing that's supposed to happen, that is God's plan for my life is going to happen, I just need to relax and stop worrying about it. And within 10 minutes of clearing my mind and just focusing on something different, it just came to me that I needed to go to Wake Forest and that was the right school for me. And I just had, after that, had no doubts and no questions and that was the right path. And I think every time I've sort of agonized over a decision, in my life, especially a decision that I knew would impact a huge portion of my future, the only time I really could overcome the anxiety is by just letting go and saying I'm not going to be able to control this. I don't necessarily know what the best thing is. God will help me find that, but not through any kind of like active discernment on my part, but just letting it go and sort of clearing my mind for, the, for God to put the answer there. And the fact that I went to Wake Forest, I've met amazing friends that I am still in touch with and will probably be in touch with for the rest of my life. And through a weird, convoluted manner, I dated a guy from there who then brought me to the church in Washington, D.C. that I joined. And then even after not dating him anymore, I still went there because I loved that church. And then that's where I met Charles, and that's the church we got (laughs) married at. And so if I had not... Sat on my bed that day with my calculus homework and decided to do, you know, to go to Way Forest, I might never have met Charles. But you I did. not looking
0: at monuments. But right?
1: I, right, right. <laughs> Our first day was on September 11th, walking around the Washington Monument and Lincoln Memorial. Um, well, he
0: told us looking at monuments is code for making out. Uh Oh. (laughs) Apparently where he was going to school. You missed that podcast.
2: I did miss
1: that podcast. (laughs) You got to tell me about the innuendo.
0: Uh... I thought you were privy to it. I don't know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) A couple of the things that she said made me think about um, being in the middle of my bedroom, crying over my therapeutics notebook and praying to the Lord that he would return that night, so I would not have to take my therapeutics. <laughs> test the world hell, <laughs> <laughs> Literally crying on my Bible and my therapeutics notebook because I was like, there's no way I'm going to pass this test. I'm going to fail out of pharmacy school. I'm never going to become anything. You know, like all these mm-hmm. crazy thoughts that go through your head. If you you fail, you won't be good enough, and that'll be the end of your life as you know it. And somehow pass that test. But like picking something that you love doing and mm-hmm. obviously that that's like easy to say I guess everybody says that and people are like well you know like you like I want to be an actor I want to be you know behind the camera and those jobs aren't like necessarily easy to get right it's easy to say find something you love doing but but seriously like find something you love doing because anxiety comes even when you're doing what you love to do and right. I think sometimes that If you hate what you're doing and you go through those anxieties, there's not a whole lot of hope to get out of that if you're not, you know, 100% loving what you're doing. I I think, (laughs) yeah,
0: I think what people kind of forget to do when they tell, you know, younger people or anybody uh, just to pursue what you love. I think people kind of forget to do is, is to really hammer home the idea of like sticking to it and working hard at it a, as hard as you can and like trying to be the best at it. Yeah. Not, not to make you like more stressed out, but like you have to be the best at it. But mm-hmm. if, if you, if you work hard enough and you stick to it, like you, you're going to find a way to, it, it's, it's, it's going to stay in your life.
2: Mm-hmm. A way you to know? do something that you love, even if it's a hobby, not necessarily mm-hmm. your full time job, just
0: right. continuing
2: to it, do it, something yeah. in your life that you love to do.
0: An interesting thing I always kind of heard was that um, sometimes hard work and luck are the same thing, you know, and sometimes uh, and there's like this old cliche. I, I try to avoid cliches, guys, because I, I really hate them, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I, 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 I just, it just makes sense to me. The harder I work, the luckier I get.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that applies. I think it's I think it's real the the main thing that happened to me in in my pursuit of my career and I didn't really get to follow through and it was that I kind of stopped believing in myself. If, if I had believed in myself more, if I had actually let the anxiety pass instead of, you know, letting it make me crumble and run back home to my parents, you know, I probably would have been okay with just like, I don't know, roughing it out, out there and just waiting for the next opportunity and Continued working hard but i didn't i didn't stop believing myself so believing yourself is a big thing yes but um, you're also
1: talking like it's final i mean you're not like 80 right. years old so yeah.
0: oh that's that's true i mean i'm 33 <laughs> that's basically 80 years old in la i mean
1: it's... <laughs> well yeah, 13 <laughs> I, is like 80 years old in la
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's very true oh gosh i read a really depressing article about that recently uh it's actually by um mara wilson who played um uh, the little girl in Mrs. Doubtfire.
1: Oh mm-hmm. yeah, she's adorable.
0: She—it's uh, really funny you say that because her whole article is about how everyone called her cute and like she—it and, <laughs> and made her hate herself. Oh no, <laughs>
2: oh, poor baby.
0: It's a great article. I'll, I'll send it to you guys. I think what people forget to hammer home in terms of pursuing her passion is—is is to like just stick to it. You know, if things get rough, do an- anything you can. Sleep in your car. I don't know. Do what. Mm-hmm. Do anything. Anything that doesn't involve like killing people, I guess. Uh, unless they really deserve it. I don't know.
1: But like you said, sleeping in your car or whatever, I mean, it it might not just mean following the thing that you love, but making room in your life for the thing you love. Right. Like, like Heather was talking about, like she and Matt sat down and figured out, you know, this job is not working for for me. Mm -hmm. I'm too stressed. I want to be home with my baby let's figure out a solution and they came up with one and they made sacrifices and other aspects of their life to get the thing that they really wanted, which was for Heather to have more time with Bella. And, um, that's, that's kind of like the key thing Mm -hmm. is that's how you can, I think, remove anxiety or either, Mm -hmm. you know, stop it in its tracks or or help prevent it from happening again is to make the changes in your life that allow you to go after the things Mm -hmm. that are your priority, whether that's in your career, in your personal life, you know, in your hobbies and whatever that is, just mm-hmm. take the time, make room in your life because you only have so many resources—time, energy,
2: money—to mm-hmm. right. de, to devote to things that you care about. And by staying home with yeah. Bella, I became pregnant with Bond. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, Heather and I have a lot in common. Our kids are the same
2: interval apart from mm-hmm. each other. so uh, They're going to be besties. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so earlier, Kena had said something that made me think about how, okay, so I was at a women's retreat okay. years ago when I was in college, and I was dating a guy at the time, and I was there with a lot of women from the church. My mom was in the group. Jenny Wells was in the group. Mm -hmm. And I remember Matt's mom. mom. I looked over Matt's mom. I'm in college. Matt and I are nowhere near close to each other, much less ever talking or thinking about each other, not dating. Um, And I said, Jenny, how how do you know when someone's the one? And she was like, Heather.
0: They're usually named Matt. (laughs)
2: heather you you just know you know when you know and i took that information and i thought about who i was with and i was like i don't know (laughs) obviously that relationship didn't last and years down the road here i am married to her son on his
0: podcast (laughs)
2: <laughs> and I'm sitting on his podcast <laughs> and all that anxiety of like, Lord, who do you want me to be with? That was what that conversation you had. Yeah. Who do you want me to be with? Any of these decisions I can make can change my whole life. The person I end up being with is going to determine what kids I have. And yeah. like if I had ended up with somebody else, they would have different DNA and they would be different children. And like the, the Lord worked it out. And I didn't need to stress or have anxiety over that. I did, and most girls do. Mm-hmm. But you don't, we don't need to. Right. Like, we need, I think we need to stay faithful. We need to stay in prayer. And we need to take, take, take the steps. Like, you can just sit in your house. And I guess the Lord could bring the guy to your door. But obviously, like, you,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you don't need to stress about it, though. And I stressed about it, you know, wondering. Right.
0: And, you know, that, that does kind of bring up, this is like a whole, I don't know how much time we have left. I don't know, but it does kind of bring up an interesting um, subject that I would... Since I have you guys here, I would love to talk about with you. Um, Anxiety and relationships Mm -hmm. in terms of, like, I'm single and haven't found somebody. You know, what if you don't have anxiety, but the people around you, (laughs) too?
2: Run. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I tried. They keep catching me. I just knew with Matt, it was... It's so weird. I mean, like, I knew right away Yeah. the questions I had about what I wanted and who I wanted to be with. It was just like, I met him, we talked, and you're it. And now since then, I've questioned that. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. She's just saying that because he's looking at her right now. <laughs> he walked up, so.
0: <laughs> uh, okay.
2: Back to I mean, JP. I- mm.
0: I do know in my heart that Scarlett Johansson is the one. So you guys, say to not, you guys are saying not to worry. Well, about then it. you need
2: it. to take the steps to meet her. <laughs> That's yeah, what I do. mean. You can't just sit in your house. She's not going to knock on your door.
0: I'll, I'll send her a tweet with this podcast, and she'll become a listener. And
2: there we go. There you go. Take right. a step, JP. <laughs> oh, but I, <laughs> wait, unless she's married, she's not married, right? Uh, who take, cares? They, they, don't no, they, don't, they don't last. They don't last. <laughs> well, you got to wait. You got to
1: wait. If she's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think there can a lot of stress can creep in about when you feel like you have to be the one in control of it. When you feel like I'm going to have to find this person. It's my job to go out and look or my job to figure it out, determine he or she's the right one for me. And, um, And worry about the plan for the rest of your life. And the reality is we don't have the capacity to make those kind of plans and and think through every possible outcome of our lives. Like there's no way I could know that choosing my college when I was 17 years old would impact who I would marry when I was 26. And if I had known that, I probably would have freaked out about it. But it's one of those things that only God can kind of handle the macro level picture um. So worrying about it, being upset about it's not helpful. But also, like, being on a mission. Like, I'm going to go out there and just, like, date every right. single person I see in case they're the one. And I'm going to go looking and find her. I found Charles when I wasn't looking. That mm-hmm. was actually the day I met him. I was going on a date with somebody else right after Ooh. that. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> And it was only well, it was only one date. It didn't work out. Um, yep. And then I went on a date with him a couple of weeks later. Um, he knew the first day he met me. In fact, he called his mom a couple hours after he met me and said, Oh, I just met my wife today. And she was like, Oh, um, what's her last name? I don't know. <laughs> uh, did you get her number? No. But I'll see her again, and I'm going to marry her. It's like, Okay. For me, it took a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. But, I mean still not super long. I mean, you think you guys had a short, a short dating and engagement? I mean, we were only dating for seven months, and he proposed. And then we got married 13 months later. So by the time we got married, we'd known each other
2: less than two years. Oh, wow. um, we dated think, for a week and got engaged and then got married three weeks later. So... <laughs> wow. So hers was even more accelerated. <laughs> we, I told you, we knew. Like, first yeah. conversation, we knew. Yeah. So,
1: but there's no way... I mean, so you might... I know at that point, I was, I guess, 24 when I met him and I was starting to think, I don't know anybody, you know, I don't know any guys, I don't, all I do is work all the time, so I don't know how I'm ever going to meet anybody, and a little bit stressed out about, you know, what, what does this mean for my life, because by the time I was thinking in my head, like, I got to find the person, then, my parents dated for, like, six years before they got married, so I was thinking, like, if I have to date somebody for six years, and then, and be engaged to them for a long time and then i'm gonna be like 35 by the time i'm having kids and like was going through my head like all this stuff i was freaking out about but it it just turned out that the time frame was much shorter for me and way shorter for you like it mm-hmm. it just happens when it's supposed to happen and i know plenty of people that are having kids at 35 my dad mm-hmm. was 40 when i was born and yeah and everything was fine with that like i mean yeah, people are late on a later time frame now too.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's kind of a big anxiety that's sort of created now because a a lot of women that I've talked to who are single, who are my age, I'm 33. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they're hearing on the internet, on the news or whatever that like, it's, it's once you hit a certain age and it's usually in, once you pass into the thirties, it's like, it's done. Mm -hmm. You're not going to have kids or the the risk of like, there's, there's a bigger health risk to having kids. I don't, I don't know if any of that, is actually true, but I do know that a lot of women that I know who are my age have have taken that to heart and it's kind of become, I mean, it's actually gone one of two ways. Some have like really freaked out over it. Others have been like, well, what can you do? Yeah.
2: (laughs) I think that it must be very different because when I was younger in high school and college, my mom kept saying, Heather, just date around. Don't date seriously. Don't go out with the same guy two weeks in a row. Like just get to know people and get to know what you like And that way, when the right person comes along, you're going to know because you're going to know different personalities and different characteristics that you really want in somebody long term. That might be a little different for someone who's no longer in high school or college now. You're in your 30s and you probably will meet women who on the first date want to get married and settle down um, because they're trying to rush it. You're probably yeah. not going to have a whole lot of people that just want to date uh, and get to know everybody around for the next six months or so.
0: It, it is. Uh, I will say dating in your 30s is terrifying.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: It is a little it terrifying.
2: Why everyone's probably in a little bit more hurry to find Mr. <laughs> or Mrs. Right. Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I've, I've been doing the, 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 the Tinder thing, mm-hmm. you know, here and there. And uh, they usually don't even really get to the first date because they already want to talk about long term stuff. And that really scares me.
2: Yeah, uh, you, you don't, <laughs> don't want to like hear you. that. Yeah, you want to just. <laughs> I just
0: want to know have what your, your favorite movies. Are. For a while, like, I just...
2: mm-hmm. your favorite
1: movies. Yeah, I, yeah. Lo- I love the way Charles and I dated at first, which was we met each other in person. I mean, we physically met in person when we when we first um, encountered each other. Yeah, and then. We saw each other a week later because it was at church. So he came back the following week and and also saw me at church then. But it was, you know, in uh, in conversation with lots of other people at like a coffee hour kind of situation. Mm -hmm. And then we went on one date and then I went out of town on a business trip for like three weeks. And so we had been on a date. So we had known there was chemistry. We had had a chance to have dinner and sit and talk and, and have one date and to know that there was something there. But then after that we had, like, three weeks of phone dates where we just talked on the phone to each other. And I thought that was really cool because it sort of reminded me of college, even though I was out in the working world and I didn't have that luxury of, like, oh, you see each other and you can just, like chat on the couch in your dorm room you know and and kind of like get to know people in a casual setting because a lot of the dating when you're an adult is like you have to go do something because it's right. not appropriate to be like hey come hang out on my couch because i think you're just trying to sleep with them
0: uh, netflix but, and show
1: exactly <laughs> but in i sort of got the benefit of having knowing you know it's not like internet dating where you're sort of going in blind of you don't know if there's any chemistry in person you don't know if the photo you're getting is of the real person or whatever I had met him twice or three times um beforehand but then to have that no stress like we don't have to go out and spend money and go to a movie or go to dinner over and over and over again we can just talk on the phone and we like typed emails to each other and we talked And by the end of those three weeks. Yeah, it was like you got exactly but by the end of those three weeks and I came back it was like I really like this guy's my boyfriend now. Even though we had only been
2: on one date, it was like, Oh, this is this is what I wanna be doing. Mm -hmm. Um uh, so you need to email some women, JP. <laughs> yeah, okay, just out a blast. <laughs> so all the single ladies out there. All I've got the single a list ladies. Going. Constant contact. JP <laughs> is a phenomenal friend, has beautiful eyes and oh. the sweetest voice and his email address is <laughs>
0: Uh, Pokemon master four twenty at <laughs> i <I'm kidding. laughs> That
2: will get no responses. <laughs> <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> well, actually, I don't know. Maybe it would bring you your dream woman. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so at all. Oh, uh, uh, but... It's actually John Spitzer Post at gmail dot com.
2: There we go. He likes long walks in the beach and.
0: <laughs> yeah. no not
2: really
1: no. But the reality <laughs> lots is, of movies uh, as my dad would say you you find love when you least expect it most, um, expect it most. <laughs> it's like it just kind of happens when mm-hmm. you're not looking for it
2: i was i had decided to be single too
1: yep I and see.
2: um actually matt was talking about being single at our refuge which he led our singles college and singles group and he was talking about being single and I'm like in the background with like imaginary hands over my head, pointing at my head like me, 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 me. me. <laughs> I'm single. You're single. Like this so is funny. meant to be. Um, I actually right. didn't have to have the imaginary hands pointing at me. He, he eventually got a hint some, some other way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow.
2: Well, See, so you uh, have that woman out there, JP.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. Like my my parents. You know, usually your parents are the ones that kind of bestow upon you the relationship advice on how to meet somebody. And my parents have bestowed that advice. I mean, it has been helpful. But at the same time, they had to find some kind of common ground because their lives were nothing like my life. Like, mm-hmm. the way my dad impressed my mom uh, on their first date on Valentine's Day, mm-hmm. um, they chartered a private jet to Hawaii. Oh, wow. So- that
2: might That might win someone over. <laughs> so-
0: <laughs> kind wow. of have come down to my level and use your imagination a little bit
2: like that's just a different playing field
1: <laughs> All
0: it <really> is. <laughs> so wow. yeah so that's what i'm dealing with but 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 yeah and yeah it's a great stories so I, I think it's i think it's beautiful how you guys met and, and i was there i mean i wasn't there but i i listened to the process happening because you know you mm-hmm. both you guys married my best friends mm-hmm. so it's uh it's been, a, it's, it's been a journey on this side, too. It's interesting to watch it unfold. It's true.
2: You and know all their little stories. I broke up with a guy yep. on Valentine's Day once. Oh, wow. Yeah. I how? broke up. I broke no, up that I was
0: like, really painful. We
2: stinking stayed for dinner. <laughs> oh. I don't know how, but we we had a reservation, and we broke up at the beginning of dinner. <laughs> And stayed for dinner. You hit the whole dinner with him after you <laughs> we, broke up. With I it? told him we should go, but he still wanted to All eat. Right. It was at the River House. I mean, wow. right. only
0: time the River House food was terrible.
1: <laughs> oh. uh, I I broke up with a guy once about a week before Valentine's Day, and he was mad that he had like, pitted, that got in reservation somewhere and made plans and like taken off work for the night or something, and was like angry at me that I didn't <laughs> consider
2: the fact that he had done all this on valentine's day i was like sorry mm-hmm. see and then we can be the source of anxiety in other people's lives yeah
0: well uh guys um are about an hour and seven minutes um really yeah it's I, it flies i'm telling you we
2: it did it an hour and five
0: yeah, the podcast usually go about an hour and a half, uh, but this is this might be one of our shortest in a long time. But okay. so we uh, could make I it wanna... longer. <laughs> <laughs> no. awesome.
2: And I feel like we so. could do it again.
0: Yeah. Oh, we're definitely doing this again. This has been too much fun. Cause I got to get a wife, and then <laughs> <laughs> it would make more sense.
1: Perfect.
0: To do the wife episode yep. at the moderate. So if
1: we're doing honest the Wells, if we're doing the Wells's timeline, that's about four weeks from For now. Four weeks from now, you should be right. <laughs> So yeah, so practice makes perfect and we've, all well, that perfect, but we've, and, uh, we've decreased our anxiety by talking
0: with you here for an hour. Yes. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad. Whew. Yeah, mine's passed. It's gone. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of the hall. Feels great. Guys, uh, I want to thank you so much for being on our podcast. Kana, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for and having me. And Heather, thank you for, for joining us.
2: Thank you. It's fabulous.
0: Thank you and join us next week. Good journey. Go!